0: Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5 by 5 Bandwidth for June has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5 by 5 My guest this week is Nat Osten. She is a iOS developer for Smile Software. How's it going, Nat? Hi. Well, that was, yeah, how, how's it going?
1: <laughs> uh, it's going great. Okay. Glad to be here.
0: So, let's see. Uh, you, you do iOS development during the day, uh, and what you, you do uh, some hiking and some biking to unwind. Where do you hike?
1: My favorite place to hike is a park nearby called the Sandy River Delta. It's about 20 minutes outside of town, and it's also an off-leash dog park. It's a thousand acres worth of just open range space to hike.
0: And, and town is Portland, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, Portland is, uh, I think probably more hiking, more great hiking than it is anything else from my, my short times in Portland. Great cities, but lots of space between.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of space. Um, the main reason why I ended up here is because the food is great and there's a lot of stuff to do outdoors. That's awesome. Have you ever been to Bend, Oregon? Yeah, my mom and I went there one of the last times that she visited. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Could you live there? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> it's a little too small of a town for me. I need more metropolitan space than that.
0: <laughs> okay. Someone tried to talk me into moving there once, and it was. It was beautiful, but I just couldn't see living there. Um, but I was curious for an outside experience outsider's perspective. So how do you think that hiking and biking and, and these activities affect your, your day job? I mean, do, the, do how does it affect your, your mental attitude in general?
1: Oh, they do everything for it. They make me feel grounded and more present. They make me better at my job. Um, it's taken me quite a few years to figure out that if I'm stuck on a problem for work, the best thing I can do is stop sitting at the computer and go take a walk or something. Uh, and over the weekend, going on a hike that's, you know, five or six hours long or taking a 30 or 40 mile bike ride is the the second best thing that I can do to prepare myself for the week.
0: What's the first best thing?
1: Um, well, <laughs> it is the first best thing,
0: actually. Okay. okay. <laughs>
1: um,
0: uh, so, well, let's see. Do you think that physical exercise has like any like a chemical effect? Do you, like, oh, yeah. do you feel like stabilize the endorphin release or whatever?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a chemical process going on. Um, and sitting in front of the computer, I spend all week being mentally exhausted, and I'll sleep because I'm tired because I'm mentally exhausted. But the difference between that and being physically exhausted is so different, um, and it just it, it affects everything. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I see, I find for me, like I hit a certain point of, of exhaustion and then I think clearly for a little while. It's like, it's like when you're drinking alcohol, there's a certain point at a certain level of intoxication where you're actually more like you can solve puzzles and you're more physically coordinated and all of these things are actually improved prior to them going rapidly downhill. So I, I don't know, maybe keeping yourself at a certain point of physical exhaustion improves your mental state in the same way.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it does. Um, I've even noticed as I've gotten more dedicated about making sure that I get that time in, I am have an easier time overall, but because it takes more exercise to get myself to that point of exhaustion that's that sweet spot, um, I end up having to do more. So before... You know, a four-hour hike would do it, and now I've got, like, the 30-mile bike ride and the four-hour hike, and that's getting to the point where it's still okay. And I'm like, oh, am I getting to the point where I have a problem?
0: Are you getting to the point where you don't have time to go to work anymore? Yeah. That's a lot of uh, hiking and biking. Do you take naps?
1: Not really. I'm not a big napper, but I'm a solid nine hours per night kind of sleeper. If I don't get nine hours, I'm grumpy.
0: Nine hours? And you're, you're like 20-something, right? Yeah. And you need nine hours of sleep. I guess you, you, people say you need less sleep as you get older.
1: Well, I guess more like eight. I'll go to bed at like one and I'll wake up at nine. That's wow. usually my.
0: I can't remember ever getting nine hours of sleep. <laughs> can't stay in bed like that. And And you said you sit all day. Have you tried like standing desks or anything like that?
1: Uh not really. I've thought about it um sometimes I'll stand you know, like put my computer on my um counter in the kitchen or something that's higher and stand but uh when I worked for Apple, I stood all day at the genius bar, and any kind of repetitive motion, you end up with the same kind of fatigue um so I guess if I split my time but i'm i'm have- I have trouble reminding myself to get up and take a walk, so <laughs> 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 baby steps. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I uh, I have a pretty set schedule where I, I use my walking desk for a certain number of hours, and then I sit. Because if I walk all day or if I stand all day, I just end up with problems in my heels and my knees. But getting the combination, not sitting for eight hours straight, is definitely better for me. Yeah. Definitely. But then again, I don't, I don't uh, bike 30 miles ever.
1: <laughs> it's fun. You should try it.
0: I would love to. My knees have g- – I used to race mountain bikes when I was young, and my knees have just – I don't know if it's because of that or just some kind of degenerative disease, but I honestly can't ride a bicycle right now. Ooh. It hurts too much, and I don't know what's going on. So I'm calling a doctor this week. I said yeah. that for the last four weeks, but it That's has, awful. it's painful. Yeah, and I'm afraid – like, the, my worst fear is that I'll have to get knee surgery. And that the rehab will make me give up and just get fat and unable to walk. Because I know myself too well.
1: I've heard that at least knee surgery recovery is one of the best options. You'd be in way more trouble if it were a shoulder or something else. Really? Yeah. All right.
0: I'll give it a shot.
1: Silver lining there.
0: So when you're not exercising or working, you have other projects that occupy your... uh, your your brilliant mind what kind of stuff do you do
1: yeah i like creating things um i went to college for painting (laughs) uh so i i enjoy that um and i also enjoy cooking uh recently i've been trying to incorporate the moving around interest with the creating things interest um and that ended up manifesting itself in building things so i built a pair of bedside tables and a bench and a handful of other things that have found uses around the house
0: So these things that you build, do you you build them for other people ever?
1: Not really. I've made an occasional present, but for the most part, it's just something where I think, oh, I could use that. I'll make it.
0: It occupies your time. And you're not doing this so that you can blog how to tutorials and things. You're just creating.
1: Yeah, it's just the act of creating.
0: Have you considered like. like keeping a blog of it?
1: I've thought about it, but I feel like the time that it would take to create the blog would take away from the time of actually creating things.
0: And, and that I get because I do – I blog everything almost that I do, uh, like all of my code creations and things. I put them out there in the hopes that other people can pick them up and run with them, do new things with them, and that happens. Uh, but I do – I'll spend maybe an hour working on a little project. And then I'll spend an hour blogging about it. And I could have done another project in that time. But for me, there's a certain – like the project doesn't count to me if, if I don't share it with other people. And it's not for recognition. It's just because it feels like if I just do it for myself, if I just solve a problem for myself, that maybe it's something I won't even use every day. But if I don't share it with somebody then it then that was wasted time. So I think it's a personality difference. And maybe you just make cooler stuff that you're just personally satisfied with.
1: Well, I think it depends on what it is. Like whenever I'm solving a problem with programming, I'll spin up a sample project and find that problem in isolation and then work towards towards a resolution with it. And I feel like that kind of problem, it could be a really good thing to share. You know, if I ran into it, maybe other people did. And maybe if I share it, I can help them. Um, Or at least it can go to good use being put somewhere other than just on my computer. Um, I guess with something like a bench, it serves a functional purpose every day. So it doesn't get ignored or, you know, left by the wayside if it doesn't get shared.
0: See, and that makes sense because, like, for me, a lot of the stuff I share is stuff that I just solved for the sake of solving the problem and it's not stuff i'm going to use every day but if i write something that's really you know it's custom to me and my setup and i will use it every day it becomes part of my workflow i feel less inclined to blog about it so i get that that makes sense
1: yeah if i'm not using something every day then yeah i definitely want to share it
0: um so you, how how does the uh the painting degree factor into your life now <laughs>
1: Um As far as work, it factors in as being a good sound basis for design work. Um, Smile is a small company, and I do a lot of the um, photoshop elements and or well image elements that are needed for ScanPlus. plus um, prior to that the um, the other company that I did doing or that I worked with doing consulting work um, it was the same thing if we needed image assets more often than not we were creating them as opposed to getting them from a designer. Um, And then also thinking about UI design, having a basic understanding of elements and principles helps laying out an app and the flow of it and the experience of it.
0: Uh, Um, Where did you go to school?
1: Kennesaw State. It's a tiny university about 20 minutes north of Atlanta.
0: Did you feel like you learned, um, we'll say, creative thinking and critical thinking skills in the process that also apply to your day job?
1: My college experience was kind of atypical. Um, the degree path that I took, or the major that I that I picked, um, the teachers that taught it um, had us build our own curriculum, decide what we wanted to learn, submit a proposal for the semester with our own due dates and our own intentions, um, what we wanted to learn and how we planned on doing it. And then we had to figure out how we were going to do it. So... I didn't even really have class. I just showed up on Fridays and showed them my work. Um, So I feel like it played into me wanting to be self-employed. It played into me wanting to, you know, kind of independently manage my own time. Sure. Um, But all of the stuff that I ended up learning was um, not really through my university. It was through the people in the art community in Atlanta that I reached out to and asked questions of and um, things like that.
0: That's interesting uh, because I I went to art school, too, and I think that the most educational parts of it were actually the group critiques and learning how to accept input from people who think completely differently from you. So I would say that I learned from the community as much as from the college as well. So do you think that this designing your own curriculum was kind of like uh, a Thoreauian mentality where you come up with a problem and then you find the answer and you get your education as a result? Or more that the university just didn't want to design curriculums?
1: I think it was the former. Um, There was an option where you could, well, it wasn't really an option. There was another teacher (laughs) that had a more structured path where you could have twice weekly classes and you would come in and everyone would paint together. And it was much more structured.
0: And based on our conversation thus far, I can tell why you went the direction you did. So... Let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll come back to uh, the things that scare you, such as public speaking. (laughs) All right. Our first sponsor today is Shopify, a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes. Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal to Stripe to Authorize.net, and ship your stuff. Just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online, and there's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates, or you can create your own with full control over the HTML and the CSS. There's, there are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes popular. And every Shopify store is level 1 PCI DSS compliant and totally secure. Shopify has just announced their Shopify POS. It's an iPad application that lets you sell your Shopify store's products in a physical retail setting. It's quick and easy. Browse your store's catalog, pick a customer's product, swipe their credit card, and then print the receipt or send it through email. You can automatically sync products and orders, and there's only one dashboard to manage all your retail and online stores. Get the Shopify POS hardware, uh, including a credit card reader, cash drawer, iPad stand, and a receipt printer. And if you order online, the shipping is free. Visit shopify.com slash 5x5 and you'll get three months for free. Check them out today. All you need is something to sell. So, Nat, you have uh, you have a fear of public speaking?
1: Yeah, it terrifies me.
0: I'm with you. You uh you you spoke recently. You did a couple talks. Uh, one at MacWorld about uh, App Camp for Girls, right? Yep. That's awesome. Gene um, was on before, and we've talked about App Camp for Girls. Um, so what was that, what was that experience like? How many people were there? What did it, uh, what did it do to you mentally?
1: Oh, I believe there were about 80 people there. Um, we had a pretty large room and we had no idea how many people were actually going to show up. So I was kind of oscillating back and forth between hoping that nobody would show up <laughs> and then being mortified about, you know, looking out at a room that's empty as well as a room that's full of people. I know that feeling. Uh, I couldn't decide which one was worse. Um, And the the talk was only about, I think, 10 minutes. Um, It wasn't that long. But I hadn't gotten up and talked to a room full of people since college, maybe. So it had been mm, probably about eight years.
0: And how did it go?
1: Well, uh, it kind of got a lot worse before it got better. The day before the talk, um, I had practiced it and I had gotten it down. And you know, everybody that I knew I had made, listen to it over and over again. Uh, it got to the point where Jean was like, y- you can't practice it again. It's going to sound rehearsed.
0: Stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then we show up to kind of walk through the room and I find out that it's going to be recorded for a documentary. So not only am I talking to people, but I'm also being recorded for a movie. And wow. yeah, that just made it 10 times more terrifying. Um, so I, I wrote out an entire script, basically everything that I was going to say in my own voice, uh, and I had that next to my computer um, and my slides. For some reason, for me, having a handwritten set of notes is feels safer, or at least feels more intuitive than having you know the the set of things that you know the set of notes that you could put into Keynote that you could see on your computer. Um, for that talk, I was also working on Xcode, so I couldn't have something that only I could see really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, well, I'm going to jump back to that in a sec, but how do you feel right now? Like we're talking one-on-one and we're recording it pre, uh, pre-publication, uh, but you're going to be heard by a lot of people. Does that like weigh on your mind when you're talking right now?
1: Yeah, I'm still nervous, but it's not nearly as terrifying as getting up and looking at people.
0: That I that I totally agree with. I did. uh, I did my second Macworld talk this year and I went solo. And I, I had the same exact same fear of nobody showing up and the idea of like presenting to two or three people and feeling uh, that that was as scary to me as packing the room. And I ended up with standing room only, like the fire marshal rules closed the doors. And that actually made me more comfortable because I felt like everyone who was there really actually wanted to hear what I had to say. Yeah. And, and I don't do well with scripts. Like I, I, I make very brief notes for myself for each slide and I do, I do it in keynote, but, um, and I, I've never actually, I always record screencasts of what I want to show because I'm always afraid something will go wrong if I'm actually coding live or anything like that. (laughs) Did that work out for you, working in Xcode live?
1: It worked out great there. And for um, the other talk that I did was at a thing called Dispatch Sync. Um, Matt from NS Hipster put it on, and it was just a group of, I think it was about 100 people and uh, five speakers, and we all got up and we talked about Um, some of the new things that were announced for the new Xcode, you know, and and at WWDC. And I did a a talk there. It was about 15 minutes long about Xcode six and the new beta. And I actually uh, worked in the beta and I don't know, working in Xcode, I feel like I know that it's safe. Um, So for that talk, I had a chunk that was Keynote and then a chunk that was Xcode. And I definitely felt way better once I got into Xcode, even though it was the beta and even though I knew that it was very likely to crash and totally blow up in my face.
0: I have seen that in presentations, you know, where people go from being kind of stiff and going through the slides and then opening up an app they're actually going to work in and it's all of a sudden they just become themselves. Uh, All of a sudden, this is what I know. This is where I'm comfortable Maybe decks should be less relied on for public speaking. In fact, some of the best public speakers I've seen have like one slide for every three topics they cover and they're usually just big pictures. You know, they don't try to present all the bullet points in the deck.
1: Yeah. For my script, I don't I didn't actually read it. It was just there so that I knew that if I got really lost, I had a fallback.
0: But can you scan it quickly? Like, when you get to a topic, do you are you able to, like, just scan over the script and remember what you were going to say?
1: Yeah, there are sort of transition points in the stuff that I do in Xcode. Um, and so I'll have bullet points next to each um, topic that I want to touch on. So it's easy to jump to a specific spot.
0: Nice. Like, I, I can't even do screencasts without getting stage fright. Like on my own computer recording software that I wrote that I know well, I have to like, I have to write little reminders on the side of the screen to remind me what to do in the app. And then every time I start to talk, I'll stutter and I'll get like, it's like embarrassed, even though I'm just talking into a microphone by myself. I can't even talk to Siri sometimes. Siri will ask me what I want and I'll just stutter. I'll go, I'll just stammer and be at a loss for words.
1: Something about being recorded, I think, makes that worse. Um, I tried practicing on my own by using the Voice Memos app to record myself so that I could listen to it again, and that was way worse. I, I stuttered a bunch and had a bunch of you know filler ooh, uh, uh, um, sounds, and when I just turned it off and I just talked, it was so much easier.
0: One thing I've learned from listening to President Obama – is that it's okay once in a while to say uh and then continue (laughs) like i i looked back at his like early speeches like the early like the primary speech he gave before the presidential run and uh and he did it then too and and now it's to a point where that's like what everyone makes fun of but a good speaker can throw in those breaks uh like verbal kind of I don't know. They're just, they're sounds that indicate they're collecting their thoughts and it doesn't always come across. Like when I took public speaking in school, they were all, um, they were all opposed to saying, um, at all. If you said, um, you sounded like a dumb teenager, but I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I haven't, I haven't talked to any professionals in speaking about this particular subject.
1: I just always try and remind myself that if there's a moment of silence, it's not the end of the world.
0: Right. And that's, oh, and silence feels so long when you're talking to people. Like when you're speaking, you pause for a second and it feels to you like you haven't said anything for 30 seconds. In reality, it's been like three seconds.
1: Yeah. And in reality, I'm sure that most people don't actually notice it. When I listen to other people talk and they pause, I don't think, oh, why are they pausing? You know, if if it's a couple of seconds I don't even notice it.
0: That's amazing. It's amazing how our brain distorts time. Yeah. It's It's like Inception. I just watched (laughs) Inception again. That's a good movie. So would you say you've learned anything in the process of trying to just brute force conquer this fear? Has anything kind of clicked and made you realize that if you'd known this earlier, you would have done better the first time you did a public talk?
1: Um. It's kind of like riding a bike. The more I do it, um, the less – see, now here I'm saying um, and I'm getting nervous. (laughs) The more that I do it, the better it is. I'm still nervous. I still get scared. I still like my hands shake, um, but it gets better. I don't think I'll ever overcome it. The only thing that I've learned is that if I go for long periods of time without doing it, I will have to start from scratch again.
0: I am honestly curious to know if there's – if if people who are really good at public speaking started where you and I are, or if they've always just been brazenly good at jumping up in front of people and presenting things.
1: I would like to believe that it's an innate thing. Otherwise, I'll feel like all of my attempts to get better at it or stop being afraid of it uh, – just mean that i'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <You feel laughs> Which i'm like... okay with doing it wrong, but i would like <laughs> to know the secret then they should be publishing books or something.
0: <laughs> so, let's see. I'm 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 going to I'm going to shift this topic a little bit. You you grew up uh you went to high school in a small town. How big yeah. how big was your graduating class?
1: There were I think 400 people in my graduating class. It was a reasonably large high school. Um, but it was a suburb of, of Georgia called Marietta, or a suburb of Atlanta called Marietta. Um, when we moved there, you couldn't get pizza delivered to the house. You had to drive 30 minutes to meet the pizza delivery man. Wow. (laughs) It's, it it grew up a lot between then and when I went to high school and from when I moved away four years ago, I don't even recognize it. it. It's definitely not a small town anymore. Um, but yeah, that's
0: that's where I went to high school. So your graduating class was about the same size as mine, uh, if I'm remembering high school properly. I I had a lot of um, a lot of issues that felt to me a lot like what it feels like to get up in front of people now. Even though I don't have the self confidence issues that I had back in high school, I still got this same panic feeling just walking through the cafeteria. Did you have like a similar Feeling in high school at all as you do when you get up in front of a stage?
1: Oh, yeah. Without a doubt.
0: <laughs> what kind of things set that off for you?
1: Uh, being in a large room full of people, groups of people that I don't know. Um, I actually had an experience at Alt WWDC this year. I was in, uh, I had gone to um, the restaurant where they were airing the live stream of um, the. State of the Union talk. And I got introduced to a couple people. I was with the guys from Smile and um, I paused for a second and somehow lost the group. And I turned around and everyone I know is gone. And I'm in this big room full of people that I don't know. And I don't usually have a problem with that, at least as an adult now. I, I like to pretend like I don't. And um, But I turned around and I didn't know anybody. And then I You know, I I hunted until I found someone that I knew and I tried to sit with them and they didn't have room at their table. They suggested that I ask someone else to sit at their table. Um, That person said no, but (laughs) didn't explain that the seat was taken. They just said no.
0: (laughs) Wow. So it felt like a high school cafeteria, basically.
1: Yeah. And I I step back and I I end up standing as close to the person that I know as I can. They're sort of sitting at a a raised seat that's like a bar. So they're sitting at at head height, you know, at, at like standing height. And so I kind of stand near them, uh, but just behind the bar so that I'm not blocking anybody's view. And then someone comes up to me and tells me to move because I'm blocking their view. (laughs) And I'm like, but I'm the same height as the people that are sitting. Uh, And at that point I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to my hotel room. And I like ran out of the restaurant and I've got my head down and I practically run into Peter Cohen and you know, he's, he's gigantic. Um, he's about twice as big as I am height wise and width wise. Uh, and so I like practically walked straight into his belly and he's like, are you okay? You look really worried about something. You know, I was like, I just, it, it feels like high school. I need to leave. Um, and he was like, it's okay. I've gotcha. Uh, and I just stood there with him for a good five minutes and, you know, feeling like I had somebody there, made it all all right. And after about five minutes, I calmed back down, but it was, it was an awful moment.
0: <laughs> so you have social anxiety. Yep. Yeah, me too. And I tell myself that I'm just, I don't like people that, that I'm uh, grumpy, I guess a curmudgeon, but I do get really scared. If I walk e- even into a coffee house that has more people than I expected and I'm by myself, I get that same stage fright feeling just being among people and and when people do things like ask me to move because I'm in their way either I'll react the way you did and just give up and leave or I'll get really confrontational and it's in like I'll get feisty in a way that I don't necessarily have full control of and that's kind of scary like I've never like punched anyone without thinking about it first but I'll get I'll get I'll scare other people because I'll get overly confrontational, like immediately. And I don't like that about myself. But uh, but there are times that I say the things out loud that nobody else is willing to say to the person who really should be told what I say. Uh, and then there are times that I just do things that are completely horrible and my wife has to apologize for me the next day. Oh, no. Yeah. But it's all—it all stems from that fear. It's like I have like fear aggression.
1: Yeah, I'll just walk away. I'm
0: That's, glad. I'm glad to hear you don't suffer from that.
1: Thankfully, it hasn't manifested itself into that. Sometimes I'll have this like very clear moment where I will say exactly what I wanted to say, uh, but usually I just walk away.
0: Usually, I have those moments the next day.
1: Yeah, that seems to be when they're <laughs> best. When they actually happen.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to tell you about our second sponsor, and then we'll get to the top three picks. Okay. Our second sponsor today is one of my favorites, Mac Mini Colo, the original Mac Mini hosting company. They provide uh, remote Mac Mini hosting that's really easy to set up and maintain, and you can use tools like screen sharing and SSH on your Mac uh, to access your box at Mac Mini Colo. And there's no setup fee, and they have a world-class data center hosting customers from over 40 different countries. The bandwidth is outstanding. Uh, Everything about it runs smoothly. The customer support is amazing. And you don't have to worry about running out of space. You get up to 2 terabytes of storage and up to 16 gigabytes of RAM in your Mini. And if you want even more power, you can also check out uh, MacProColo.net. And they actually do the same thing for Mac Pros that we're talking about with Mac Minis. Uh, so just remember that Mac MacMiniColo is where low-cost meets high-performance to create the perfect Mac server. Just visit MacMiniColo.net slash 5x5 to learn more. All right, so do you have your top three picks?
1: <laughs> I do.
0: Well, you get to start with your first one then.
1: All right, um, so my first one is something that I've seen floating around. People are talking about it a little bit on Twitter, um, and I haven't heard too many positive things about it. Uh it it's an app called yo. Um
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's uh it, it's app icon is just purple uh and it does one purpose. Uh you have a list of of people that you're, you know, friends with or whatever and you can send them a message and it's just yo. Uh and it makes this silly little noise whenever they send it that says yo in this silly voice. Um for the most part it's not that useful. Um but my upstairs neighbor and I get together to drink pretty regularly and um There's always this silly back and forth of, hey, do you want to get a drink? Yeah, okay. When are we going to meet up? Probably in 15 minutes, you know, upstairs or downstairs. But it's silly. It doesn't need to be that complicated. Um, And I came about right – like I got a phone and was old enough to care about um, things like that right about the time that pagers were going out. Uh, so there's always sort of been, for me anyway, this uh, you know, need to over-communicate things, either calling people, leaving voicemails, or uh, you know then with text. And this kind of eliminates that for this one specific dynamic. When we want to meet up, one of us sends the other one a yo, and if we want to get a drink, then we send it back. And if not, then you ignore it. And it's really simple, uh, and I appreciate that.
0: I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody did – Maybe it was, uh, I think it was, um, uh, Jimmy Fallon. They did a whole conversation using just the word yo to illustrate that this could actually work. And like, based on context, you know, based on the time that you received it and what you already know, the person is looking for Like you, you want to go out for a drink, but the other person already knows that they're just waiting for you to call yo does the trick. And uh, obviously you don't get inflection in the app, but it. It does. It actually makes sense. And overcommunication is kind of a it's a it's a problem. I don't need to know all the things that people text me about. Yo would often
1: suffice. Yeah, I mean, it's like taking the notion of not leaving voicemails to the next level. Like you called. I know that I should call you back. Why don't right. I just do that?
0: <laughs> right. I, I yes. I like it. I like it. Good pick. Uh, my guest last week was. I think it was last week. Was actually. Oh, hoping to be the first person to pick that, but his other three picks superseded it. So you get oh, to be I'm, the first. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. Well, my first pick is an app called Launchpad Manager. And I know most people don't use Launchpad on OS X, at least not many people that I know. But I do because it helps me keep track of how many apps I've added to any given computer uh, the actual the act of filing them into folders and and uh, sorting them by categories, I find very therapeutic somehow. But doing that within Launchpad itself is just painful. You can move one app at a time, and you have to try to drag and hit these folder targets that always move underneath you. And half the time, it will crash after you've just spent 20 minutes organizing your apps. It'll crash and reset to some point in the past, and. It drives me insane. So I found Launchpad Manager, and you can upgrade it to the full version for $8, and it basically lets you do multiple selections, cut and paste, and create groups with just a keystroke, and everything is solid, like there's no sliding around as you're trying to move things. And you can see all the pages of your Launchpad in this little window, and and just select multiple apps, hit Command-X, go to the folder that for their category or make a new one and hit command v and then you hit save and it updates your launchpad and it is so much more stable
1: that's awesome That's actually one of the things that i haven't used because it, it just seems like a pain to maintain
0: it is it is but now that now that launchpad has type ahead searching so you can just you can just uh, squeeze in on your trackpad and then just immediately start typing like "cal" and it'll bring up calculator and calendar. Um, it, it's actually it makes a really good launcher, uh, and I use it when I'm on people's systems that don't have launch bar or Alfred or anything. Uh, it's just it's better than Spotlight for app launching.
1: I'll have to check it out.
0: All right, what's your number two?
1: Uh, my number two is a book. Um, it's called The Flavor Bible. And so I like cooking, but I don't like cooking with recipes or sometimes maybe I have something in my fridge that is a little bit atypical and I don't know what to do with it. Um, And so instead of suggesting recipes, it suggests flavor pairings. So you could look up something like fennel and it will tell you that it goes really well with lemon and cucumbers and olive oil, uh, but that it, you know, um, and that you could pair it together with maybe three specific ingredients to make a complete dish. Uh, so it's a good starting point for coming up with recipe ideas or maybe just buying groceries for the week and making sure that you have things that are complementary when you don't know what you're going to cook.
0: Have you seen there, – uh, there's an app that does this too. Like you can just punch in an ingredient and it'll start – it uses like Wikipedia and, and Google to find recipes surrounding that ingredient based on – and you can add like criteria and I wish I could remember the name of this app. Because you can start like saying this ingredient and then it'll offer you pairings and you say this ingredient and it'll narrow the list down.
1: Oh cool. I've I've seen a couple of them. Um some of them it seemed like the interface was a little bit too uh complicated to use.
0: Yeah. Um I've seen the one you're talking about.
1: <laughs> not not to point fingers at anybody. Um the data was fabulous. Yeah it just was a little cumbersome.
0: Yeah, no, I'll try to, if if I can think of the names of any of the ones I've seen, I'll add them to the show notes, but I'm looking at this book on Amazon and there's definitely something to be said for a book with a decent index that you can just flip to and, and have all the information on pages. I can appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Having it in book form is nice, but it's also frustrating to be at the grocery store and, you know, see something and think, gee, I wish I knew it went with that. Um, So having an app that did it would be amazing.
0: Best of both worlds. Yeah. Awesome. I like it. I it, this isn't a pick of mine, but have you ever used pantry?
1: Uh yes, I have. I, I really like it actually.
0: Me too. It's become my my all purpose favorite cooking app, recipe management app. It doesn't it doesn't do this kind of like association or anything. But man, I can find a, a recipe on recipe.com and have a shopping list with check boxes in like two minutes flat.
1: Yeah, it's fabulous. I, I use it a
0: good bit. All right, so my second pick is, it's called Filer. It's spelled 5-I-L-E-R, and you can find it at 5 no.com. no, .com. And it's, I wrote, uh, just this morning, I wrote about this, uh, this trick I was using with Sublime Text to open three buffers in vertical columns and be able to switch between them with just Control 1, 2, and 3. Uh, so that I could keep concurrent topics running in my notes during a podcast, and I'm doing it right now, but someone suggested to me a filer, and you can download it as a self-contained uh, Mac app using Node WebKit, or you can use it right on the web, and it gives you five, five different sections for notes, and you can jump between them with command 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and just keep these multiple topics going. As you uh, as you flip between them and it's it's pretty much what I had envisioned when I started considering making this sublime text trick into an app and it's free. I think anyone who that who whose curiosity is piqued by that idea should go check out Filer until I you know get around to writing my own Mac app that does everything I want it to.
1: <laughs> that sounds awesome.
0: It's, uh, I'm, I'm still getting used to it. The one thing I don't like about it is that you can't see the notes in the other columns when you're working within a column. Like they, they, they hide. um,
1: Oh, that's a bummer. If you want to cross reference them or something.
0: Right. Exactly. Or if you want to see, yeah, cross cross reference. Yes. That's exactly the problem. All right. So what's your number three?
1: Uh, So number three uh, has actually already been talked about, but I really, really like it, um, and that's Screen Hero. Uh, It's an app that um, lets you share your screen with somebody else, Um, and what I like about it is you get two mice, so you can move your mouse around and do your thing, um, and the other person can see a little bubble over it that has your name, um, but then they get their own mouse too. Um, I also like it because you can switch back and forth between computers, so let's say that I'm screen sharing, you know, with, with you, um, and I'm showing you something and you're like, oh, I want to show you this other thing. We could flip over to see your computer screen and then flip back to mine.
0: Has um, this been, has this
1: been on systematic before? I believe so. Maybe Cause, I'm.
0: Cause this doesn't sound at all familiar and I really want it.
1: Ah, uh, well, it's free right now. Um, I, I, the last time I checked, I think it was in some sort of beta. I might be wrong about that. Um. But, yeah, you, you get your sort of buddy list, and you can invite somebody to share your screen, and you can flip back and forth. And it's super reliable. I've never had a crash on me um, or disconnect or hang up or whatever.
0: That would be awesome. I did, I did discuss it, I guess, with uh, Fred Chang 57 episodes ago and <laughs> have since forgotten about it. But, yes, I've been looking for this recently because there are no good screen sharing solutions. that that none of the ones I've been using are worth anything. So this looks so good. We should try it. We should try it. After you get back from your meetup tonight, screen share with me. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do
1: that. You should definitely check it out though. Um, I I screen share a lot from work because everybody at smile is remote. And then a lot of my developer friends are remote too. So maybe we'll talk about code and screen share and it's fabulous. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. I'm excited about this one, I guess, for the second time. (laughs) Very cool. Thanks for bringing it up again. Yeah. All right. My last pick is called SaneDesk. It is a it's a Mac app that basically takes your desktop icons and gives you multiple contexts. So you say uh, this 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 space is called play and when you switch to it. All your icons disappear except for the ones that you've specifically put into the play workspace. Now it's not actually moving any of your files and nothing like if you quit the app, all your icons come back to your desktop. But while the app is open, you can have just files on your desktop that relate to the context you're in. And and you switch from up in the menu bar and to move a file from one space context uh, to another you just drag it up to the menu bar and then it pops up a panel and you drop it onto one of your other spaces and you can drag you can drag whole groups and folders and everything anything that can appear on your desktop and I'm finding like I use my desktop as an inbox everything I save I just save it to the desktop and then near the end of the day I'll go through and tag and file everything uh, or delete things that are irrelevant at, at the end of the day. And uh, I don't necessarily have a big use for Sane desk, but playing with it, I was really impressed with how well it works. And I wanted to show it to some of my friends who have, you know, 10 to 15 rows of icons on their desktop at any given time, and just to help them bring some sanity to that, uh, that desktop.
1: That's a great utility. My desktop looks like a trash bin. Uh, I could definitely use that.
0: I have a rule, no more than three. I keep my icons small, and I have nine vertically. So I say no more than three columns before I have to file things. So I can have 27 items on my desktop before I have to go into filing mode.
1: I should instate some rules like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just sort of arbitrarily will go through it. Um, But it would be great to be able to filter things out and only see what I need.
0: It is. It, it's really cool. I played with it for a while today, and I'm impressed. It's eighteen dollars, which is steep, but it really is well made and it looks great. And you can change your uh, you can change your uh, wallpaper on every space, so it, you can literally like switch context, switch moods entirely when you do it. It's pretty cool.
1: Oh, neat! It's like actually changing which room you're in.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, without leaving your chair.
1: (laughs) Don't actually have to get up for walks.
0: (laughs) That's cheating. (laughs) All right. Well, our last sponsor today is MailChimp.com, and they make easy email newsletters. Or they make email newsletters easy, depending on how you want to write the sentence. Uh, MailChimp helps you design newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate with services you already use, and track your results. It's like your own personal publishing platform. They help you customize your signup form to match your brand, so you can share it on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page, and you can even collect signups from an iPad or a laptop. Importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap, no matter how it's formatted. You can also personalize everything your subscribers see, including signup forms and confirmation emails. And there's never been a better time to try MailChimp. With their entrepreneur plan, if you have under 2,000 subscribers, you can send 12,000 emails per month forever. Just visit mailchimp.com slash five x five to learn more. Alright. And now it's time for the wrap up. Let's see, you are Oh I lost it. You're UE something on Twitter, I've forgotten.
1: Uh UI Pop Tart, like UI pop over only
0: uh the breakfast food. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Alright, so UI Pop Tart on Twitter and you you don't really have a webpage right now. You but do maybe that.
1: sometime soon, I'll have a blog.
0: You should th- you should start a Tumblog for all your your desks and benches. I look forward to seeing it. All right, is there anywhere else you want to list that people can find you online?
1: Uh, I don't believe so.
0: Just uh, just check out Scan Plus and and marvel at your your handcrafted graphics and wonderful coding, right?
1: Yeah, uh, and AppCamp for Girls You can find more information about me on their website too. Oh, are you on there? Yeah
0: Alright, I've already added that one to the show links Because I knew it would come up Let's see About, are you under about? I need to know (laughs) Uh, There you are, I found you Matt Osten, AC4G Lead developer Got it, it'll be linked Alright, well thanks a ton for being here
1: yeah, thank you for having
0: me. I hope nobody knows this, but we had a ton of technical issues, and I appreciate your patience.
1: Oh, no, it's no problem. I know computers misbehave.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that was episode 103 with Nat Osten. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a week.